I like to say that. Okay. Actually, this is the first time I'm able to say that because we haven't done a live podcast yet. It's time to crack the Mountain Dew. <laughs> we are with Andrew Vargason of Grindworks BMX. Super Shredder on a bike. And he's got opinions about politics. No, no. <laughs> Not yet. Maybe. I this guess. This is so good. <laughs> I haven't had Mountain Dew in a while. Bad for you. Oh, we got one person in here. So, uh, we're here to talk about these tariffs at first, and then we're going to move into a regular podcast, just chit-chatting and whatnot. So where do we start as far as these tariffs go? And I guess I need to ask about the uh, the audio. Anyone who's watching, chime in about the audio. Yeah, make sure we can be heard and seen. Yes. Unless you don't want to hear or see us, but then I don't know why you're here. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Oh, it's too good. So, where do we start? Show that list. Yes, a like, list of all of the things included in this. Is the uh, the tariff? These are imports coming from China. Yeah. So this is the section three hundred one list for the tariffs imposed September seventeenth, twenty eighteen, and it's you know pretty thick and it's how many pages pretty is small that? font 194 let me see what it is I just want one oh, okay this is how small the writing is frozen retail cuts of meat yeah of swine that's the really boring stuff up on the front end so how does this affect bikes well we don't know. So, a lot of your BMX stuff comes out of Taiwan. Which is part of but, what we've been trying to figure out. Yeah, so I've, I've been trying to do some research for probably the last two hours here. Yeah. Which isn't, you know, great prep work, but whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, if I didn't find it right away, I'm not going to find it. Yeah. And it's still new information, so, too. Taiwan is treated as its own country. But it's technically, there's only one China, and they are China. Gotcha. Taiwan has a separate operating economy, which makes it separate, but it's not separate. They don't really know what's going on there. So, for all intents and purposes, we're going to treat Taiwan as a separate company or country. And Same say, thing. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> it's all a business. Yeah. Um, we're going to treat them as their own country for now because they're not participating in the sketchy business acts that China is being sanctioned on tariffs for in the first place. Yeah, what is... Oh, so, like, you know why this was all brought in other than the fact that Trump wants people to come back to the U.S.? Uh, that's not necessarily why. So, the Section 301... Is let's see. I gotta look this up now. Yeah. It was a nineteen seventy-four trade act. But China has been in violation of a couple of rules governing fair trade. So the tariffs are a sanction on you've been breaking those rules. Ah, so it's like a punishment. 
they were told, you know, there was an investigation, they were told, hey, you need to correct this, and they refused to, is essentially where the tariffs come from. The problem with tariffs is, if we give them a tariff, they give us tariffs. So all of our exports now to China are also receiving tariffs. Gotcha. So essentially, it just means everyone pays more for stuff. I'm with for everything according to that list that comes from China. Pretty much. Which is where BMX comes in because we actually don't know what all comes from China and what comes from Taiwan. Yeah. No. Not not specifically. I mean, each individual company probably does. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, they know where their own stuff's coming from. But, well, subcontracting. Oh. Manufacturing comes into play. They could be buying from one manufacturer that's buying from another that's buying from another. That's insane. So they could just be told, hey, our prices are going up this much and not even say that it has to do with the tariff stuff. But it doesn't. You see, I don't know enough about the, the trade laws to know mm-hmm. is if they make something in China proper yeah. and ship it to Taiwan. Does it get the tariff or not before oh, it comes to us? Because it's like a middleman-ish. Or before it changes product. So, you know, a tire is a tire until you put it on a bike. Then it becomes a bike yeah. as an export. Oh, yeah. Man, that's some crazy stuff that we really don't. <laughs> we won't know until, like, prices on stuff starts going yeah. up. Yeah, so I mean... Uh, sometime this month, like I believe the 24th, something like that, we're supposed to get a 10% increase, or 10% tariff on everything on that list. And then, after that, January, January 1st, is, it's up to 25% tariff. Jeez. So, so I, I was talking to someone who said that this kind of stuff happens a lot and then ends up not actually going through. Which, it's always possible. Yeah. So, I mean, it could be, most likely because it's so close, the 10% will go into effect. Yeah. Now, if China decides to comply with the laws that they've been technically breaking, mm-hmm. or trade rules, yeah, um, then I believe the tariffs get waived and pulled, you know. Mm. They just say, okay. Or they don't, and they continue a trade war. But the reality is... That production is not coming back to the U.S. Yet. <laughs> if it ever does. There's plenty of other countries that comply with global trade laws. Oh, yeah. That still have much cheaper labor. India is a booming manufacturing place right now. Uh, Mexico has a lot of manufacturing going on. Yeah. It's cheaper. It would have to rise like astronomically to end up back over here. I guess. Or people just don't want to deal with headaches. Yeah. The the bigger thing to look at would be companies that want to continue to make stuff in the U.S. You know, because someone that might be struggling right now, you know, hey, we're not getting by that well. Mm -hmm. Our sales have dwindled, but we're still alive. Yeah. Those companies are going to see an opportunity here to flourish because the way that they're working on everything right now is, you know, order by order, day by 
my day. Mm -hmm. And if the market were to go up 25%, they might only have to increase pricing by 10% or so to stay super competitive, and make, make more money, money unless on the, what they're already doing. Unless the prices on things over here keep going up too, because well, I've got their raw materials. Like prices on raw materials have gone up too. Well, raw materials are all in this list. So, a lot of the materials and steels that we would buy mm -hmm. to make something in the U.S. Yeah, comes from China anyway. <laughs> so you're riding an American China made frame. If you have, um, unless they get it from America. not always. A lot of there's a lot of steel production in Europe. There's a lot of steel production in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of things that are going on right now. So potentially. In, in tandem with, but separate from these tariffs, uh, promoting U.S. manufacturing, promoting specifically U.S. steel uh, as an industry, not specifically the U.S. steel company, mm -hmm. but promoting U.S. steel in infrastructure projects. And actually requiring it. Um, I actually printed this out too, which is oh, what is it? Twenty three CFR six thirty five point four one zero. For all of you following along, who want to pull this? <laughs> yeah, you don't actually care, but it's the Buy America Act for the Federal Highway Administration, uh -huh. which says. This is not that big. It's very small. Only actually the section I'm talking about is less than one full page. But anything being used in infrastructure projects right now is subject to that. What? Uh, the Buy America Act. So what's that say? It means that any steel, stainless steel or iron products used in a U.S. infrastructure mm -hmm. project, bridges, roads, ferries, yeah. uh, anything like that, needs to be melted in and manufactured wholly in the U.S. So that's any platings, coatings, finishing operations, machining, rolling, heat treating, anything Yeah, has to be done in the U.S. with it, hmm. along with melting it. But it can be mined outside of the U.S. Gotcha. This is some confusing stuff. Yeah. So back to BMX with it. Or bikes in general. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the whole... That's the whole news about it right now is that bikes are going to cost more if they come from China. Which could potentially lead to them costing more coming from they're, anywhere. They're going to cost more because... It's everything is affected by that. So, yeah. You know, I don't think, I know that like ODI is making grips and everything like that in the U.S. Yeah. I don't think anyone's making tires. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone's making tubes. A, a lot of those like semi-hard goods like that are not produced here. And how are frame for bar companies like that who make their stuff in Taiwan going to be affected by companies trying to leave China and move to Taiwan or so, India or Mexico or back to the US but would it well 
would it affect people if they went to from China? Would it affect the companies that BMX companies use, the manufacturers BMX companies use, if another company just went to a different country? Like, isn't that just business as usual then for them? If they're not competing? It's so, it's always going to be a, a touchy thing with tooling and mm. with getting a company up to par. Yeah. So that's where you hear a lot of BMX companies use the same factories. Yeah. They're already up to speed on what you're doing. Yep. So if you gotta teach all new people all new things, it's a hassle. And to know you're gonna get a quality product, it's hard to find a good manufacturer. It's hard to do that in the US here. No you doubt. know, I, I we've I know personally with uh my work as well as with Grindworks we handle manufacturing and anytime we go to a machine shop you get all sorts of wonderful you know things and stories and pictures and parts shown to you but when it comes down to actually executing mm-hmm. they can't pull through yeah which they, is why you've had so they many either issues fall behind on lead times or they fall behind on quality right or you know, just making things wrong, mm-hmm. and then you know, as the uh, business person, you have to decide whether it can be used that way, yeah. whether you want to deal with that, or if you just find another supplier yet yeah. again. So, so uh, when you find someone, you generally want to stick with them. So I don't think you're going to see a lot of knee-jerk reactions on pulling product out, but you might see a slow transition if the tariffs stay in play. Yeah, which could cause a bidding war, which I talked about in my news video, but if if a big company wants to come in and start using the same manufacturer as someone who makes BMX parts, I wonder how far a BMX company will take it before they say, okay, fine, we're going to go somewhere else. Because this bigger company has more money than us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's only so much that they could go back and forth on before it makes it more worth it to just go somewhere else. Because why spend more than you'd have to, to other than to avoid a headache? And Well, so anything like... Anything that needs either extrusion or forging or casting mm-hmm. all involves molds and yeah. dyes. And the cost of creating new ones, because a lot of the time the company that you're buying the stuff from owns the dyes. Right. You don't own the dyes. Mm-hmm. So uh, it becomes really tricky with that. You know, yeah. they're, they're made to go in their presses and their machines. Yeah. And, you know, they're maintaining the tooling. So it's not yours. You can, it's not like you can call them up and say, Hey, you need to ship this to this address. They're gonna make this stuff now. Yeah, they're not gonna do. Which it. is factored into that. How much is it worth, and how much can we pay before we actually have to move completely? Yeah. And then we talk about how fair a company's going to be as far as spreading the the costs mm-hmm. between consumers, which is like me and you, and, and bike shops and manufacturers and. The BMX companies mm-hmm. because it's all gonna have to I mean it doesn't have to 
the manufacturer could put it all onto the bike company, then the bike company could put it all onto us and bike shops that they sell it to. Mm-hmm. And they will. Yeah, and then so that they so that we'll have an increased price while they keep making the same amount of money or close to it. Mm-hmm. That's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Yeah, well, and how much? Because if Taiwan is not included in the China tariffs, yeah. you're going to have a spread of how much did it really cost extra. Yeah, you know, you're going to have twenty five percent increase somewhere, but it might not be across the board. You might not see that much. Mm-hmm. Certain companies might only see you know two to five percent. Some might see the higher end. You just never know. And this isn't. I don't think, I think the reason that we've not seen anyone talking about it with definitive answers is because no one knows. There's not going to be answers till people start getting bills. Mm-hmm. Probably. Uh, that's what I was just going to ask, too. I wonder what this 25% is of, 25% of what? So is it the shipping cost? Is no. It the, is it the worth of the product? It's it's what they're paying for the product. So. so I wonder it, if that includes the shipping too. Yes. So that um, makes it even that much higher. I believe so. Instantly then too. This is. It but it, I mean, it's 25%. It's 25%. You yeah. just tack it on to what you're paying. Right. Well, 25% of however many thousands of dollars in product mm-hmm. plus this many thousands of dollars in shipping. It, mm-hmm. it could be a big difference if it's not on the shipping and it's yeah. only on well, the product. It is a big difference because if you're talking. A hundred thousand dollars in product just to use a round number. Twenty five grand. It, now all of a sudden they paid a hundred and twenty five thousand. And then if shipping is what? Is it ten grand for a shipping container to come from, from China? China? I have no idea. I think it's something I'm, crazy. I'm glad that I don't know that information. Yeah. That's one of those things that like I feel like I have heard it before from people, but I can't remember like specific numbers because it's like when you hear numbers that big, they're like, no, because you don't have to deal with them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to remember them. Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with that for work, but I've never written the checks or gotten the quotes for the, the shipping. I just know right. that it's it's substantial. That has to be nerve-wracking as hell for a company. We're getting this many thousands of dollars in well, product. So they have to pay it, I believe... What I saw was they have to pay it to customs. So let's just say, you know, two weeks from now, you had a shipment due in that you've basically, you've already allotted in your finances $100,000. Yeah. And now it's going to cost you one hundred and ten Instantly. And you have to yeah. worry about ten and grand you, more. Yeah, which for really large companies, you know, if you're selling multiple millions of dollars a year and you have steady sales yeah it's not that big of a deal yeah they might have but that. It, it is it is a big deal and it cuts into a lot of things like overhead and payroll everything it, it, yeah it, literally it's everything. A big deal. you have to get that money from somewhere if you don't have it just sitting in a bank account that's not yeah. being touched so that's where you know it's going to trickle down pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Where I wonder, but we just don't know when. 
or what, how much or, or what the reality of the situation is. It's crazy. Now think about how much. So it's going to customs. They're getting this tariff. I wonder how much money is going to wherever it's going to end up for all of the imports coming from China. Like, how many billions of dollars is that going to have to be? Because everything comes from China. Everything comes from China. Uh, Instant 25% more in price. Like, that's going to be insane. That means so everything I'm at one is going to cost more money. Because... Yeah, hey, look, can you look that up that, for me, that, Jamie? That number was... <laughs> okay, one day ago. By imposing tariffs on $200 billion more in Chinese goods. $200 billion just overnight. When yeah, well, I mean, we got 194 pages of stuff of stuff that that this tariff situation will apply to. Wow, that's crazy. And that's just direct. And they just have so, to pick bicycles. <laughs> well, it, I mean, when you read down through there, there's tariffs on bicycle tubes, bicycle tires. There's yeah. tariffs on brake cable housing. It's very specific. Yeah. What well, has to be. Yeah, or else they're going to go, oh, that's not this, it's that. Yeah. This isn't a bike tube. This is a tube for a pool. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Anything like that. And I, I don't know how much you saw about it. There's harmonization codes, too. So I don't know what that means. It's an eight-digit number on the side here. Yeah. So they have to include what that number is when they ship something. Okay. So that customs knows what's coming through. Right. So basically, if, if you told them it was something else and you cut into the box to check it and it's not. Yeah. You don't even want to go down that road. <sighs> so, so basically, we're, we're going to pay more for our bikes and our bike parts no matter where we get them from. Or who we get them from. They didn't increase the tariffs on helmets. Apparently. Somebody says in the chat. I saw a couple of mixed comments on that. And I I intended to go through this and highlight anything of interest. Yeah. But, but there's 190 pages. pages and... Hold that back up. To do it. Hold that back up in there so, so people can see. Just 194 pages. Let me see this. This is everything that's going to cost you more. Directly or indirectly. And then January 1st is going to cost 25% more to get it brought over here from China. From China, not Taiwan. It's crazy. Maybe not Taiwan. Maybe. We, yeah, here's the thing about that, too. We didn't exactly say it. We don't know for sure if this doesn't include Taiwan. It totally could. But we don't know right now. And Andy's been doing a lot of research trying to figure that out and just hasn't. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it right at the beginning, but I think we had, like, one viewer at that point. Yeah. And it's like... Um, so, just to recap that a little bit. Taiwan is a separate separate economic situation 
economic uh, mm -hmm. entity. Yeah. But for all intents and purposes, they are China. Yeah, it's part of it. They are the Republic of China. And China, China is the People's Republic of China. But both of them say there's only one China. So it could. So it, they are the same, but they operate under a separate eco economy. I wonder why. And they have separate governments. Why wouldn't so, they put it all? Well, again, the, the situation is that China, as we know it, China has been sanctioned for breaking trade rules. Right, and Taiwan didn't do that. Taiwan has not been sanctioned for that. So they're, they're not necessarily included in that unless, as a technicality, they end up kind of in the crossfire. Yeah. I mean, we can hope that it doesn't get included in that because it could potentially help us not pay. How much is that? Okay, so let's think. If it included a frame, frame's $400, so that makes a frame $500 instantly. If we we put the bill for that rather than anyone well, else. And there's another thing that we have to consider too. When you look at BMX as a whole compared to other bicycle industry, yeah. such as mountain bike, road bike, mm -hmm. we are severely underpriced. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look so at how much stuff has changed as in an, price... As an not, industry, we're almost choking ourselves. I can remember when I first started, a little over 10 years ago. 10 years isn't a long time, but prices on things haven't increased that much in that 10 years. Forks, I have Dan's catalogs from when I first started riding. Forks were still over $100 mm -hmm. 10 years ago. They're barely over $100 now for normal stuff. Mm -hmm. The best of the best is more than that. So it's like somehow we've avoided price increases. Yeah. But, I mean, what's like a top-of-the-line BMX bike going to cost you right now? If you, you build it custom, you're at, what, 1500 to $2,000? Anybody, yeah, anybody, somebody probably knows. They probably priced one out. Yeah, so yeah something reason. like that. Versus... You, you know, you can buy a stock complete mountain bike at like ten grand. I didn't know that. For like a downhill bike? Yeah. Yeah, you're you're in the, the high thousands. That's know. crazy. So when you look at the fact that the technology on those bikes, there's more components to it. Mm -hmm. The technologies aren't too too much different. Yeah. Well, the basic there, concepts there's a lot of carbon everything. fiber usage. Yeah. Uh, but still, look at the gap there. <laughs> and that we're, gap just got I mean, crazy. Well, so there's essentially, if we're going to see price increases anyway, there's a chance to bring it back so that we're not choking as an industry. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. So, you know, you could end up seeing more than 25 if they wanted to bring it back to a level like. This is where we need to be as yeah. an industry. That's true, too. That's, and I mean... Or you could be Mafia Bikes and Undercut Everett. <laughs> what are they going to do? Yeah, are they going to make their bikes cost $450 instead of 400 now? Or whatever it is? Or, or do they sell enough of them that they can eat it? That's going to be... Well, here's the thing about Mafia Bikes... Aren't they, them? No, aren't they not out of 
uh, they don't do they I distribute out of the U.S. I know nothing about that company, they and probably, I'm proud of it. What I'm saying is, like, they probably aren't being shipped to the U.S. They're probably bought. You know what I, I can't mean? Can't believe I'm Google searching mafia. Do you get what I'm right saying, now? though? Like, they might not be affected by the U.S. to China tariffs because they might be. They are UK's biggest BMX brand. Yeah, they could be self-proclaimed. But... They could be UK to China or China to UK, and that isn't what we're talking about because they aren't. Um, but it's... just because they're UK's brand, are they, where are they made? You know. Yeah. Based on pricing alone. Oh, I okay. We got figure... we've got a quote here, and it just so happens to have my last name. <laughs> it says Moore was among those who testified against the proposal in Washington. He said that he said he specifically asked that helmets be exempt. That's good news. At least we did something. He said, <laughs> quoted from the same guy. Thank you, Dylan. Um, good. I mean, that's that's a good thing because why should you make a safety? piece of safety equipment costs more money so less I don't people. Know. You know how many medicines are listed in this document? Medicine is another thing that's like already messed up. That's a totally different topic. Medicine and food. And when you think about that, that changes our lifestyles. Mm -hmm. So everything yeah. in Walmart's uh, about to cost more money. Yeah. Basically. I mean, Basically, <laughs> back to BMX though. It's like I'm curious to see what ends up actually happening, or if these tariffs even end up actually happening. To like I said, the ten percent because it's got such a short term mm -hmm. on it, we can count on that happening. Yeah, at least for a short period of time. What's most likely going to happen is that China's going to continue to work on under their own terms and continue violating the trade rules yeah and just i mean they've already said that they will return tariffs so if we impose these tariffs on them then they're going to impose tariffs on us everything we export to china is going to cost more mm -hmm. and then nobody wins right and that's kind of the long-standing quote about trade wars is that nobody wins on a trade war we lose, they lose. Yeah. Everyone pays more for stuff. We also make the same amount of money at work. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of scary, I guess. It'll be very interesting to see what happens and what comes from all of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm still on the Mafia Bikes website, and um, I actually don't care to find out where they're made. So, goodbye. They're made... You know that they're probably made in China and whatever. They have to be. Yeah. You would think anyway. Why are we promoting that brand by even mentioning their name? I, yeah. I started it. Why did you do that? Because it's relatable and everyone knows. Yeah. Well, I mean... That's a totally different subject <laughs> than this, because they, 
but it, it's, it's also something to bring up because eating that cost is a reality for some companies that want to get ahead. You know, if you want to kind of choke some other companies out and make them hurt, then you just eat the cost. Yeah, well, that's true too. Because if you because it's a short term thing, you know, if you're the, the one company that doesn't raise your prices and you make decent stuff, everyone's gonna buy that because it's that much cheaper and it's the same quality. At that point, who cares? Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I guess people are still gonna. Everyone, not everyone. There will always be people who have money burning holes in their pockets and they won't care. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, most BMX riders are broke and are going to buy. But if, some, if a company decides they're going to eat it, you're going to see them drop a team. Oh, yeah. That's true. Most likely. Because they're going to have to save money somewhere. Mm-hmm. And if you, if you want to be real right now, there's a couple companies out there with teams that probably aren't doing much for their money and what people are buying. Mm-hmm. There's potential for it there. I could see that, which would suck completely. Well, and it, what are you gaining? Because if you don't have someone out there promoting your product heavily... Yeah. Then you're going to see someone else's product day in, day out. Because someone's going to be promoting someone's product. Mm-hmm. So, if the, you know, if you're not in your face about it, you're going to kind of get lost. Yeah. Which happens. So, you know, if, if you drop your team, there's no one promoting your stuff. Yeah. Other than the fact that your stuff is the only one that didn't rise in price. Yeah, <clears throat> but what's that say about your brand? Like, it just looks bad. That's true. It's going to be crazy to see. I mean, maybe not crazy, but interesting is the word I keep coming back mm-hmm. to because that's what it is. It's, in- it's going to yeah. be interesting to see how things are affected. Yeah, and, and you know, it, you know, just whether you want to have a, a team or not, too, maybe... Some people see it not that beneficial. I know that I don't necessarily see it that beneficial on, on the stuff I do, but I do my, you know, grindwork stuff on such a small scale. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, a, a team... A team is for, like, a company who's advertising to the entire world and who has the ability to sell to the entire world at the click of a button... And they're not worrying if someone buys something in freaking Africa or something like that, something crazy. They aren't going to have to be like, oh man, how, how much is that going to cost to ship out there? Like, You already know. Yeah, it's all established and whatnot. That's, yeah, that's but that That too, you know, a lot of companies... You've got distributors, like QVP mm-hmm. and everything, dealing with your, your product. So, if you're importing product, you're buying it from the factory. You're selling it to QVP or any other distributor. Yeah. They're selling it to the bike shop. You can 
eat that if you cut the distributor. That's what too. I was just gonna say. Like when you brought up distributor, so like you'll you know they're generally a little bit higher priced, but like if you go to a company that has a direct distributor, that's mm-hmm. realistically it's them, but they're operating under another name. Like uh, Odyssey has full, full factory. factory. Okay, uh, Kink would black out. Mm-hmm. They are their distributor. Yeah. So you've already cut that middleman out, essentially. So they're kind of in a little bit more of a. They don't have as many options. I they guess. haven't. Uh, yeah, they don't have as many options if you're already handling your own distribution. Mm-hmm. But it also makes it like those companies that aren't sold through places like QVP make it kind of burdensome on shops too because now instead of having three accounts with major distributors yeah you've got your three accounts with major distributors and then you've got an account over here and an account over here and an account over here and you have to keep them up yeah well a lot of those companies i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't know about like blackout but companies like merit for example Shout out to Montana Ricky <laughs> and the the peeing water over there. Yeah, but companies like Merit and Profile, who are having stuff literally directly from the company, don't have minimums, so you don't have to keep the account up. You just need to have account an account existing mm-hmm. so that you have the option to tell someone who wants to buy something or if you want to stock something, you just call them up, and they have your information so they can bill you for it or however yep. that works after that so the other thing with distributors too is that distributors don't some sometimes don't have enough of what a bike shop might want so then a bike shop ends up screwed out of not being able to get some certain thing in and not being able to get it because the company that goes through that distributor doesn't stock anything for themselves to, for bike shops to have access to yep which kind of sucks. And it's like, I feel like the distributor model almost doesn't make sense in BMX anymore because of how small it's gotten. It makes sense for shops because you're not typically ordering just something for BMX. If you go in and you ask for something specific, they might place a special order. Yeah. But most likely they're going to look at that site or call them up and say, hey, look, you know, I need to restock on tubes. I need mm-hmm. to restock on this. I need to order a couple complete road bikes. You know, a shop's going to handle that through a distributor much better than they handle it through individual companies. Yeah, because of shipping. Yes, it depends on that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But it's like there's not enough money to go around in BMX to be able to afford to, especially with all this stuff coming, to be able to afford to pay the distributor so that they can get paid, the bike shop so they can get paid, the company so they can get paid. Like, there's instantly three things that are tacked onto the cost of just the part that you're buying in order for yeah. to put in order to put money in enough people's pockets to keep people involved. Yep. That's and then tough. You've got the team thing, too. Mm-hmm. That's just overhead for yeah. the company. And also event sponsorship. So, you know, when you send a box of prizes out, that costs you money, too. Yep. And that could either be kind of nixed or they'll become very selective. Mm-hmm. 
Or prices just go up and they continue business as usual. Oh yeah, they factor that in. Yeah, you know, if you just if you just increase your prices accordingly, you don't have to make all these tough decisions. Yeah. But everyone has to play by the same rules, or else you shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah, because if one company doesn't increase their price, or a few companies, or only one company increases their price, there's kind of like. But the other thing is, if you take this into account, they have perfectly good reason to raise their prices. Oh, absolutely. So prices go, you know, from four hundred dollars a frame to five hundred dollars, twenty-five percent increase. When and if the trade tariffs get removed, because either things comply or we just drop the trade war in itself. Yeah. What company is going to be like, you know, we used to make $500 on this and everyone's paying it. Why they're can we drop gonna, it back? They're not going to put it back down and they're going to make that much more. Or money. maybe it goes to 450 Yeah, that's true too. So there's good motivation from a company business owner level hmm. to use that. That would suck. That would feel very, very dirty if that was how things turned out. Because we like to think that BMX is one big happy family and whatnot, right? It's still a business. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, because it, BMX, at least in my generation and the generations prior, it was counterculture. So it wasn't mainstream, it wasn't cool. Mm -hmm. And what comes with that is kind of the like hating making money. Yeah. But you're running a business and there's nothing wrong with wanting to make money. In anything you do. No. You need to make money so, to live. So that's like perfectly fine. It's when it gets taken to a greed aspect. Yeah. And there's a huge gray area in between those. But there's nothing wrong with making money. Mm -hmm. And if you have the opportunity to do so we already talked about we're we're choking ourselves off because we're underpriced compared to the other bicycle industries yeah so if it's a stepping stone to at least making money for the industry as a whole bringing money into the industry as a whole is good because then there's more events more yeah that's what i was just gonna riders. say we have it, if they do good things with that money better money to promote products and yeah you, just all around more money in the industry is a good thing yeah paying attention to where it goes is another mm -hmm. you know so that that would come down to like what companies are you investing your money in are you buying Mafia bike stuff. Who's <laughs> arguably not really doing anything for BMX other than paying certain riders. They're paying certain so, people. You know, it. based on my comments, you know, they're they've decided what method they want to take, mm -hmm. and they're making money. There's essentially nothing wrong with that, other than that it doesn't fit the model yeah. of going through distributors and going through bike shops yeah. direct sales is it's good for the consumer but it's bad for the industry mm -hmm. and it just you know to argue that it 
depends on which side you want to sit on. That's true too. And I also look at things like if I'm buying something from Profile, I'm not going to buy it from a distributor. I'm going to buy it from Profile directly because I would rather all of my money go to support the people at Profile than go to support people that I don't know and I don't know what they're doing with their money. Whereas you and know, you, and you might pay the exact same dollar price. You will. You will, because that's what it is. Which mm -hmm. means that Profile is making more money. Sometimes more, because they want to discourage you from buying it direct, in a way. You know, it might be $5 more to order it direct. Mm -hmm. I, I, I like the idea. It's funny, because it's the exact same thing, almost, as buying from Mafia. Buying direct from either of these companies, but Profile does more with that money, and they help BMX out, and they actually care. Whereas but it's it's still it still incentivizes buying it through traditional methods. Yeah, it's available to buy direct, but it incentivizes traditional methods of yeah. going through a, a bike shop or a mail order, which involves the distributors. Yeah, I guess I'm saying these and, things. Through the and eyes the of. difference there is that you're paying true retail value as if you'd gone through a distributor yeah. versus, hey, this is what it cost us to produce this. Let's add 15, 20% on it and sell it direct to the consumer mm -hmm. for less than we would sell it to a distributor for. Yeah. And I guess I'm also looking at it through the eyes of I wouldn't actually buy it through profile, buy it, get it from the bike shop. They got it from Profile. Mm -hmm. That's so ingrained into my head that I don't even consider it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that you... It's crazy to think about, too, is that both Profile and Mafia sell direct, and it's completely different worlds. A lot of companies do. If you, I mean, if you go on anyone's website, you can buy direct, but like I said, you know, it's like $5 more than what you pay through Dan's or your local bike shop. Mm -hmm. Dan's. Yeah. Empire, Albies. Yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things. What's going on with Dan's right now? Are they still there? Is that still a thing? I, th I believe they're still a thing. I wasn't sure. Hey, I have the internet at my fingertips. Games come. Are you a thing? Their website's active. Well, they're still selling stuff. They have a huge ad for fiction bikes. <sighs> fiction bikes. What is the difference between fiction and stolen bikes? What's the difference between any bikes that are made in Taiwan in the same factory, other than the technology used? Paint and stickers. So, lesson learned. You and pick, branding. You pick the company that you want to support, because most likely what you're buying, unless it has some crazy technology, like we could, we could say the Soundwave is different than other frames because they make it differently for a reason. But if you're buying two different companies frame with the exact same geometry and no technologies different on them they're probably and they're made in taiwan i should say they're yes. all going to be comparable yeah i mean they might not be identical but they're comparable yeah and it, it does come down to styling and who you want to have your money 
Mm-hmm. But it looks cool. It looks cool. Yeah, we make colorful things so that the kids want to buy it. That's another conversation, too. Yeah. Color-wise. But, I mean, BMX is struggling right now, I guess. It, people can't afford to make crazy new products all the time, I guess. What, what I, I was trying to find this out because there's a... The wording is not quite specific to bicycles. Mm -hmm. It mentions bicycles a lot, but it's two-wheeled, non-motorized vehicles, stuff like that. Oh, in your list? Yeah. I'm huh. wondering if the same applies to scooters. Oh. Because if scooters are unaffected by this, they're already cheaper. They're already pulling people away oh. from BMX. If it becomes 25% more expensive to ride BMX... That makes a huge gap because scooters are cheap. Like a complete scooter mm -hmm. at the bike shop. I could not find any info over the last day on that. I wonder what that... Like, why wouldn't that include scooters, though? You know what I mean? Late to the conversation, but will this have any effect with S&M or Profile since both are affiliated with domestic material and manufacturing companies? Profile, I feel like, won't be affected as much because they locally source everything. Like, the material, yeah. I guess the material's it. <laughs> the material's yeah. how you make everything. So they get everything that they use to make stuff locally and... I guess the only reason that that might go up is if the same stuff we've been talking about, if a, if raw material prices for everyone increase, why would a local company keep their super low if everyone else's stuff costs more other than integrity, maybe? Well, but the question of will it affect, of course it will. Yeah. It's a huge opportunity to... You know, you can have the same quality product and not have to be more expensive. Mm -hmm. So, it will affect. I think it's it's an opportunity for any of those American-made companies to grow. Whether it really affects any of us, again, to what degree, is totally up in the air. Yeah, we have no There's idea. no answers. That's kind, of, that's kind of crazy to think about. So profile. Can you imagine profile bigger than it already is? I mean, everybody already knows that they make some of the best stuff that you can buy. That's why they've been around for 50 years, literally. What about S&M, though? I don't really know anything about S&M as far as what they... If they use American steel to make their stuff or anything like that. They also, Profile doesn't make tires and pedals and other things that could be made in China. Like, Yeah, well, and some of that stuff, like anyone that's selling tires, it's coming out of Taiwan or China or they're right. one and the same, but they're different. I, right, know. right. So, like, that means that S&M, as far as the stuff that they make over here, could could be in the same situation as profile but then some of their other stuff like their their tires their grips well do they get their stuff from uh 
do they get their grips from ODI? That's one thing I'm curious about genuinely, and I would love to know, is like the ratio of grips produced to grips produced by ODI in the U.S. within BMX. I wonder how many they actually make. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Who would know other than ODI, maybe? They probably don't want people to... I guess ODI would probably want people to know that, but maybe not everyone else. I don't know. I think anyone that's doing that is generally proud of it. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. Somebody should make and a list. I can't say it definitively, but it's probably pretty safe to say that if anyone is saying their grips are made in the U.S., that's that it ODI has to be making. ODI. It would have to be almost like who else would you go through? They make well, there's, a lot, there's a lot of companies that do rubber molding, so it doesn't have to be. Yeah, I mean, I, there's companies right here I could call up and get <laughs> rubber molds made and have product made. Yeah, it's that they already know what they're doing in that particular niche. Right? And the funny thing is, I've heard people say like. When we were designing our grips, we everybody knows that ODI is the best, so we play like we do something similar to that, but put our own spin on it. Yeah, you bet. I bet that they're getting that made by them too. What's up, the ninja? Oh, somebody gave me a super chat. Said, "Here you go. You deserve it. Thank you very much." They donated three dollars and 99 cents canadian high five we we did it so taiwan versus china if anyone out there knows definitive numbers on what's produced in china versus what's produced in taiwan versus if this tariff even applies to Taiwan because we don't, and the internet can't give us totally. They're the, clear same, they're the same country. They're separate operating economies. Whatever that means. And the Taiwan economy is not violating the trade rules. That's the recap on that. Yeah, I guess we're gonna find out whenever frame prices. I, I'm thinking that no one's gonna find out until they receive a bill. Yeah. For the trip. And at that point, I mean, if I was a company, I would not want to openly talk about this unless you had some strategy that you put together to try and put yourself in front of it, to maybe put yourself ahead of everyone else mm -hmm. with this strategy. Oh, but I mean, then the reality of it, too, is not only we've got, like... We the people. We've got BSD. Mm -hmm. We've just got a bunch of European companies that are fairly popular right now. Yeah, BSD is huge. We the so, people. Yeah. You know, if it's coming from Europe, we've already talked about this. Is it port of origin or is it country of origin for the product? Because if if they're shipping it to us from Europe. Yeah. Is it effective? Even if it came from China. You know, is, is, are they just going to ship it elsewhere first and then here? Yeah, I guess the question is, does the... Or how long does it have to stay?
stay there. Yeah. You know, there's there's a whole bunch of weird situations that can apply here. And does it matter more where it was made or where the company is at? Like, that's something crazy to think about. Also, same ninja gave 99 cents more Canadian, so thank you for that. Um, yeah, who can answer that? Wait, does, does he even care about this discussion? Yeah, do you care about this discussion, Ninja? He just said, hey, Brand threw some money at us. <laughs> um, we're an hour in. Because I haven't... It. That's kind of cool. I know, it is. Uh, I haven't looked to see if Canada or any other nations are also sanctioning the tra same trade violations. Yeah. Because, I mean, it's they're breaking trade rules. You would... Yeah, who knows, man? That's one thing that we'll, we'll probably find out in the future. I mean, when was this stuff put into place? You said September 17th? Yeah. So that's... But, today but is the 23rd. That other list I sent you a couple of days yeah. ago was from, like, March, when they were proposing these tariffs. So, so this has been this is a long-standing thing that they were trying to get them to comply yeah. before they issued these. Hmm. Wonder. And then I think when they proposed the list, they're trying to use it to strong-arm them into just complying with their rules. No doubt. And then it's like, well, we don't care. And they're just like, Alright, well, we can't not do it now. Yeah. I don't know, man. All that sugar's kicking in. Oh, sick. Yeah, that's what it feels like. It feels <laughs> sick. <laughs> it just keeps coming down to the fact that no one knows exactly what's going to happen, and we can't find out until we months and months go by and we see what happens to park prices. It sucks to think about how this could affect bike shops, being that everything other than the scooters that they sell <laughs> will be impacted. Um, I will just mention it because it's a fun comment, but on that list that I sent you the other day, rocket launchers were included in the tariffs and flamethrowers. Rocket launchers and flamethrowers have to be... Uh... Tax well, too, apparently. So the funny thing about that to me is that the only people buying rocket launchers and flamethrowers, at least like legally, is the government. So if the government isn't imposing a tariff on something they're purchasing directly, yeah, then they're just passing that directly to us as taxpayers. So there's a lot of weird things. And I'm sure Brant will post the link here to this list of all of the tariff things. Yeah, I can do that. But I can actually do that right now. I'm going to put it in chat. Because you sent it to me, right? Yep. Oh, gosh. Nothing. It hasn't updated yet. My iMessage. I emailed it to myself. We'll get it in the chat. Yeah, because that's cool and it's gonna lag. Worth looking at. It's gonna lag for a second while my. But I, 
I didn't see rocket launchers on here. On the actual list. Oh, okay. It's um, disappointing, quite honestly. Nor flamethrowers. And the ninja asked if uh, either of us had been to Canada. I have been to Canada. Have you been uh, to Canada? Just Toronto. I've only been to Canada for Niagara Falls. I was in Toronto for work a couple of years ago. Which is cool because they paid for my passport. Which lasts way longer than that one trip? Yep. Okay, there's a link to the list that we've been talking about. Have we talked about it enough? Is there anything else? Anyone have anything to add to this? I was kind of hoping that someone from the industry might jump in here and have something to say. Yeah. That could be cool. Yeah, could be cool. I don't know if I'm cool enough for that. But that means we have to talk about it more, too. That's true. And since it's kind of all speculation and there's nothing known. Yeah, I guess we could talk about what we, what ideally we want to see happen. We haven't really talked about that yet. I would use the word that we're beating a dead horse, but it's more like we're beating Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's a Schrodinger's cat is that if you if you put a cat in a box that you can't see in or a room or whatever and leave it for days on end yeah the cat is both dead and alive because you haven't checked on it oh so you don't know yeah okay <laughs> so let's talk about 25 percent tax goes into effect january 1st it's gonna happen it's it's, it's gonna be a thing for years to come what do we want companies manufacturers to do ideally if we could have it any way we wanted it to we're dreaming well fantasy factory here the simplest thing as far as like dealing with producing products is making them in the u.s mm -hmm. cost effective wise it's not mm-hmm um, the trend has been that China's pricing has been going up, yeah, but it has not yet met a point where it meets meets like U.S. production. Mm -hmm. They're still working for very low wages. They're yeah. still, you know, doing sketchy things. It, and I'll use that term loosely because culturally, culturally, they might find it acceptable. Yeah. So okay. There's nothing we can do about that. Yeah. Um, as society progresses, that will change and is changing, and they will need to pay more and cost more. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't anything weird. Historically, like, we pretty much did it to Europe in the 1800s with our Industrial Revolution is we were willing to work for pennies. Yeah. And we produced everything ourselves for pennies. Yeah. Uh, the real U.S. manufacturing presence of, like, 1940s on was due to World War II when most of Europe was wiped out. 
they didn't have the capacity to produce. Mm. So we became a world producer strictly off the fact that that whole region was destroyed. It's not it's not common to yeah. be that far ahead. Yeah. Now that you know Europe has had time to come back into play by like the 70s, 80s, everyone's back up and running and has the technology to pull production back to their home countries, and they did. And the fact that everyone in the U.S. wants a raise every single year, so wages have just done nothing but go up. Mm-hmm. And the fact that well, skilled tradespeople are all 65 and older, mm-hmm. and going out of all that, so the people who are making your CNC stems and who are making your frames and whatnot, other than like the younger... In BMX, I guess it's a little bit different because those guys aren't 65 yet. The guys who started the companies like FBM and Standard and whatnot, I mean, they're getting older, but they're not like the typical age of your skilled tradespeople who are getting to the point where they're going to retire soon mm-hmm. and not build any or make anything anymore. Uh, the ninja asked what we were talking about. Right. <laughs> are you two talking about financial stuff? Um, not specifically. What what Brant asked the initial question was, um, you know, what do we want to see happen? Yeah, I think he means in general about the entire the whole, whole thing, thing we're talking about. Is the UF, U.S. tariffs. The UFO tariffs. Yeah, UFOs. <laughs> we talk about UFOs. That's a different podcast. Yeah, okay. Anyways. Um, so the tariffs that are going in on the, the Chinese goods. Mm. Um, 25% increase January 1st and a 10% increase coming very soon. Like this week or something. For like anything that. that's being imported from China that is on that 194 page list that is linked. But, anyways, so we were talking about what we want to happen. Moving to the U.S doesn't quite make sense yet with how much things cost because of other countries and whatnot that are options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like uh, India is coming up. Mexico has production and facilities and they are cheaper. So are we going to create another China? Maybe. Is that our, is that our ideal thing? We, make in the, we find another I mean, place that will make everything super cheap and then move everything there it's not only about being cheap it's access to resources and Uh, china is resource rich gotcha so like you're not gonna move something to like a really poor country in africa if they don't have the resources to be able to produce product yeah because shipping like iron ore or something to get it refined there yeah you'd kill everything so it's basically like a we need a perfect you'd need a perfect storm of a place yeah china has lots of people has lots of resources yeah and they're willing to do business for cheap so you know that's kind of where india is kind of on that same thing Mm -hmm. um Mexico is not really as cheap. Yeah. 
They're still cheaper. It's closer. Mm -hmm. I don't know if that means anything other than the fact that it probably things probably would be shipped by air and by truck rather mm -hmm. than by a ship and shipping containers. Trains. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's a shipping container on a train, isn't it? Mm -hmm. So it's still the same concept. Yeah. So is that well, what and then it goes to a hub and gets devanned and put on a truck. A distributor hub. So. It's kind of like that. <laughs> they have to get paid to mm -hmm. the shipping distributor. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got to get paid. That's the idea here. So, what's the ideal thing? Is it moving to another country, or is it hoping that this trade I, war just goes away? Pretty much. <laughs> uh, I personally, to answer your question, really, I don't have any true hopes or what I'd like to see. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a good opportunity for a lot of the U.S.-based or U.K.-based companies mm -hmm. to advance themselves, essentially. Well, are, are those companies like BSD and We the People actually made in Europe? That's the question to ask. We the People, I believe, is not, mm -hmm. but I don't know that for a fact. But again, it comes down to the question of... Oh, does it? Yeah. Is, is the it, middle man... Is it, yeah. Are you still taxed? Yeah. Are you still? Is the tariff apply to a middleman as well? That makes mm -hmm. sense. Which I mean, it should theoretically, or else you're just going to have a company that pops up in Europe or somewhere that, or Canada, and just buys everything, and we buy it through them, pay them five percent of everything that comes through their doors, mm -hmm. and they just take it off of a truck and put it back on another one. That makes sense. It also could be a thing of does buying... Or, or do they box, you know, take it out of a package, rebox it, and call it something else. Yeah. So, something that's interesting to note about American production is that made in the USA doesn't mean it was really done here. Yeah. Like, country of origin for a product is when it changes definition. So, like, you can buy all of the parts for a car from China. Yeah. Build know, it here. And build it here. And you built a car in the USA. But you didn't make it here. But you, you did. It's, it's too late for this kind of thinking. <laughs> like, well, so there's just so many questions. You know, they if you're gonna do it that way, then you buy. You have a company set up in Canada mm -hmm. that buys all of the piece parts from China and puts the complete bikes together. Ships them or to like, the US. Boom. Change, that's that's change from parts to a bicycle. That's also if you keep the same model of distributors and bike shops and whatnot, because what if the bike shop is the one buying directly from some distributor in the UK or something? Like, mm -hmm. couldn't that be a thing? All parts and stuff go to a distributor, then the bike shop buys it. Is that skip your tariff? Because the bike shop is bringing it from. I, I don't know enough you about know? the tariff. We don't, we don't, to comment. We don't know. 
We need an expert. Someone actually knows that answer. Yeah, we need that, an expert. That is a clear answer that we don't have. Yeah. So then also there's the, the aspect of if you bought something from a company who had something made in China that you buy it from Europe and it comes from Europe, I mean, you're probably not going to have to pay that tariff yourself buying a single product. Mm -hmm. It seems like it's shipping these big, huge things as a company, like not a consumer, a company. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's any import. Any import at all. From there. So like if you're buying something but from China at all. Yeah, it, it really depends. That's so... Oh, it's too late for this kind of thinking. Oh. Should we talk about bikes? I mean, we are. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like bikes are cool. Like the sessions and all that good stuff. Mm. Tell me about Grindworks. I want to hear how Grindworks started. Grindworks started when I broke my ankle and had nothing to do for like six months. Well, when was that? September twenty ninth, two thousand thirteen. Wow, so you're coming up on five years here in a week, six yeah. days. Yep. What did it start as? Like, you just make some shirts or do you just no, instantly go instantly to said, let's make bags. That's cool. And then we tried to figure out a name. So it started with myself, Sam, Shroggy, and Cameron Turan uh -huh. from Binghamton, New York. Yeah. Vestal, to be specific. But... Um, we just did that for a little while and then kept doing it. Sam's involved from, like, an ideas and part of the crew standpoint. Yeah. Not so much in actual day-to-day. -day. Mm -hmm. Cameron's involved uh, to whatever capacity he's able at any given time. Yeah. But I... Like, if you see a post on Instagram, there's, like, 99% chance I did it. Yeah. Stuff like that is, I'm handling a lot of that. I'm curious, like, how does that develop over time? Is it the same as it was in the beginning? You just, you make pegs, people buy them? Well, our initial peg was, let's make a really heavy, long-lasting peg. Yeah. And we did sell a bunch of them. And then... The problem with having a really good, long-lasting product is that you have a really good, long-lasting product. So people don't need it unless they want it to look good again and, well, or something. And it's a niche product. Yeah. So we had a very specific product for a very specific person. Oh, that makes it even smaller. And then they don't ever need to replace it. So, uh, so it's a, I mean, it's a good problem to have-ish because you can't. Sure, you, you care about the people who buy stuff. Yeah. You don't want them to have to buy pegs all the time. So you make a good well, peg for them. I mean, I don't want to have to buy pegs all the time. Right. So ideally, then you just. If you want to be technical, the product was for me. Because yeah. I hated everything that was on the market. The, the concept behind what we did with making them extra thick mm -hmm. and heavy is that if you're losing or if you're denting bending or flexing yeah when you land on a ledge or a rail that's energy loss and it's transferring your momentum forward yeah so 
the energy that it takes to bend, dent, or flex metal, steel, is going to take away from your slide. So when you've got really thin pegs, you're not sliding. Oh. I, how far or how much is that noticeable? A lot. It is? I wouldn't know this, I mean. Yeah. I, so it, it's really noticeable. It feels like crap. <laughs> That's so, so crazy to think about the thickness of a peg. So it has to do with how it feels when you're grinding with it. Because it could make you slide better if it's thicker. Mm -hmm. So then we, you know, after we had sufficient stock of those. Yeah. And we'd been selling them and everything. We came up with the alternate design, which is what pretty much all of us are running now, which is the. When was that? Streetlight ones. Just uh, a year and a half ago. Okay. So it's been the same thing from 2013 all the way up to a year and a half. Mm -hmm. And then you started offering another option. Yeah. In addition, or did you stop doing the other ones? Uh, I don't know where the state of the other ones is. Okay. Um, I have inventory of them. Mm -hmm. I think I've got a, a lot of inventory of them still. Yeah. But, you know, I just sold some the other day so it's not that they're not moving still yeah. they are still you know, it's still a niche product they're, again specific product for a very specific person mm -hmm. but it's not like a hot mover uh, our our standard peg now is the street light peg yeah. and it's four and a half inches long still thicker than a lot of pegs a little bit of internal machining to keep some of the weight off. Mm -hmm. They're really light. Yeah. And I think they're six and a half ounces if you measure them. Weigh them. Hmm. I don't know if that's light for a peg or not. Uh, it's pretty light. Huh. Let's see how much uh, the pegs I'm currently running. I think I have the Odyssey JPEG. I can't even can't even say for sure, honestly. <laughs> I, they don't see them on the internet, so that's yeah. Cool. Well, that's that's a hard one to find. Uh, <laughs> I'm looking at things from 2011 here. It might not be the JPEG. No, they that is still pretty common there. Is it the MPEG? It's the MPEG. Okay. But yeah, I'm that's the only one on. Amazon and that doesn't help because it doesn't tell me anything. Uh, go to Dan's comp. <laughs> I'm looking at these are not these are four inches eight. Okay, so here's that's perfect though. So six and a half ounces. Yeah. Okay, the Odyssey MPEG at four inches versus four and a half. What's it? What's yours made of? Forty-one forty chromoly. Same forty-one forty material. The Odyssey version at four inches weighs eight point seven five ounces, so it weighs considerably more for a whole pair. Mm -hmm. Versus, so you now, get a half inch more. They are well under half the weight of our original pegs. Wow, they're also so, pretty. I mean, I'm looking at them right now. They're pretty uh, look, small. So too. you're looking at on my bike. Just to the side that's, that's out of view. 
Yeah. They were custom orders, so we did custom orders at the beginning of this year mm -hmm. for any length. And so I had a bunch of orders for fives. I had some short guy orders, three point seven fives. Yeah. Uh, I had my one guy order. I'm gonna get the number wrong because I don't even really want to try. Four point two eight one something something something. It's the Mike Jones number, the two eight one. That's funny. <laughs> but but I did very specific. Yeah, I mean, it's just funny on yeah. the package because I put it all the way out full full That's length awesome. and you know, rounding wise, it wasn't exactly that. Mm -hmm. Don't tell Max. <laughs> Was Max like spikes? Yeah. Gotcha. But anyways, but, those are five inch pegs. Yeah, five inch. Um, personally, I think that's too long. I don't really like them that much. Yeah. But I'm running them. It's crazy. Because you don't really think about how a peg length affects something until you change it. When I went from four to four and a half inch pegs, instantly ice pick stalls ten times easier to hold. Mm -hmm. They just work better. Even the four and a quarter to four and a half jump mm -hmm. feels like hard spins out of grinds and all that stuff just comes so much easier we have more time on the peg before mm -hmm. like you'd have to do it pretty like, faster but the five gets to the point where like i guess i might just be too used to the four and a half mm -hmm. but like riding tight trannies and stuff you just feel like you can't quite get away from chinking your peg and stuff oh that's interesting like you got to come in steeper at things yeah and when it's only a like, 12 inch radius or something like, yeah. steeper is not your friend you don't want to be going <laughs> straight in on anything like that that's for sure so like that type of stuff i just don't like yeah i wonder what 4.75 how much difference that would make I don't know, but I've always been happy at the four and a quarter, and then I'm super happy at four and a half. Mm -hmm. So you can go back. To probably it. will, but for the moment, run the fives. I don't care. You're that doing much. good grinding on them today. I mean, there's so much peg. How can you miss? That's true. <laughs> that is true. So what's it like grinding a rail with five inch pegs? You just gotta make sure you don't come up under it. No doubt. Oh, that would probably be harder because you have to be further away than you necessarily. It, yes and no. I mean, the reality is if you're that close on your way up, it's mm. sketchy no matter what. Yeah. No doubt a half inch isn't going to make that much of a difference. It shouldn't. Yeah. But it does. You, you know, if you're, if you're coming up and you're hitting your peg on the rail on the side of it or whatever, you are going to do that anyway. Mm-hmm. So you made the streetlight pegs. You have those right now available mm -hmm. for anybody. Always. That's good. Uh, there's shirts, stickers, wax, that type of stuff. Yeah. Hats at one point. We haven't really kept up on hats. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't really kept up on much of anything in the soft goods department. Yeah, well, that's... So, like, it's if not you were to go on our web store or whatever, like... Slim pickings. Yeah. So. Which is uh, the fact that you have pegs right now for anyone to get. Yeah. They're made in the USA. Made in Pittsburgh. 
can't beat that. Are they sourced metal from the USA? Are they actually made um, in the USA? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't really I honestly I don't really care. Yeah, I mean, uh, I just know where where what I pay for them, and that I have to sell them at what I have to sell them at. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of expense that goes into even just packaging and stuff too. Oh yeah, it's not, you have legit major for them. Yeah. It's not major, major expense, but there is an expense involved. Mm-hmm. So that kind of comes into play, and you just got to figure that out. So what's it like running a small BMX business like that as he takes a drink from his mountain zoo? Yeah. Running a small BMX business, I can't really comment on too much. And I'm going to say that because I work a full-time job. But you're, yeah, you're not relying on it. I don't it. rely on it. Yeah. I do it. It's a hobby. Mm-hmm. And if it became huge, it would become a burden. Yeah. So, you, like you said, you made your, originally you were making pegs for to, you. To fill a niche. Yeah. What you wanted. Mm-hmm. And then... You want to have a way to offer them to more people, and I still am. I mean, both both offerings are awesome. Yeah, even as light as they are, they still have like a pretty solid feel to them. But I'm not gonna lie to you, I love the original bags <laughs> way more than I like these. <laughs> How much higher can you hop with a peg that weighs half as much? I don't know. I can't hop that high to begin with. Uh, you just need to but, make it high enough to get onto the ledge. But the highest hops I ever have recorded were with the heavy ones. <laughs> it, you know, a lot of it's technique. Yeah. There's a little bit that comes into play with the weight. Are you I telling have... me that if I that having a titanium frame, fork and bars, spokes, cranks, spindle, axles, hardware... Is not going to make me bunny hop higher. I mean, you're kind of limited to your physical ability. That's true, no matter what. Man. So how often do people try to get free pegs from you? Let's be real. Less recently. Yeah? But for a while, a lot. Yeah. Um, sometimes, like just random dms that's actually my favorite i don't have any recent ones yeah it would take me a minute to pull them up and i wish i had done it and just screenshotted them (laughs) but i love getting dms that are just like oh you want to sponsor me and i'm like i don't know man you've got one video on your instagram (laughs) page you don't follow grindworks like what am I supposed to do with this information? Like, yeah. you clearly... Or it's a follow and then immediately a DM. And I'm like, oh, cool. You've never heard of this before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, you're not fooling me, dude. You could at least play that up and, like, plan ahead, follow a couple months prior, like, a bunch of stuff. And then I'll be like, hey, I know this guy. Mm-hmm. But 
I like getting those, and I hate getting those at the same time. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a validator a little bit. Like, you look legitimate enough and appear... That's all I can legitimate to be enough. legit enough. Yeah, you're legit enough to have people want to hit you up for free stuff on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And then I can come up with ways to say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another thing to do with things. Uh, I mean, my general response is that I'll send like a promo code for 20% off or mm-hmm. something like that. Because it makes you feel good. It's not a complete no. Yeah. You know how many have followed through with an order for 20% off? A whole zero. I was going to say, I sent that a lot. That's, that's funny. Unfortunately, we it makes me laugh. I, it's actually really enjoyable when yeah. that's the case. And you're like, yep, yeah, you didn't actually care. Yeah, I mean, we live in a world where a kid just wants to get something for free for the sake of getting it for free, even if they don't like it or don't even grind. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah, I didn't even think about that. There's been a bunch that have a lot of videos or pictures, but they are pegless. I'm like, look it. I don't have a lot to offer if you don't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was thinking about turning into a street rider, getting real serious. Somebody said, get those sponsor me edits ready, fellas. <laughs> Please flood my inbox with <laughs> Grindworks and BMX. Underscore BMX. <laughs> my bad. That's funny. So, what's your future plans for it? Keeping things the same and just making pegs for yourself and other people at the same You've time? You've been filming for a DVD project-ish for a while. Yeah. But no real timeline for it. Uh, mm-hmm. Since we've started, a lot of people have quit riding. A lot of new dudes have joined the crew. Yeah. Which puts some people have a huge backlog of footage. And some people have nothing. Yeah. Some people have a lot of footage and they don't ride anymore. I'm like, what do I do with this? Right. That's a tough call. I mean, like, it's good it, to use it. Well, it. It definitely goes in, but it ends up somewhere in a friend section. Yeah. Yeah, That. I mean, I guess that's the only thing that makes sense unless it's some mind-blowing insanity. Still, I don't ride anymore. Yeah. That's a tough call. So, it, it is. Uh, I had a whole bunch of people picked out to, to work on that project. Mm-hmm. Everyone agreed to it. No one sent me footage. <laughs> That's the way it works, man. Everybody wants to be a part, but you gotta make it happen. Yeah. So, I, I mean, we had set up a Google Drive mm-hmm. just so that people could drop footage in there. Nothing. Yeah. Then, so the reason I wanted to do it that way was that I could keep up on it. Mm-hmm. Then what happens when no one was doing it, I slipped up on my stuff and just stopped keeping up on it. Yeah. And then I got from certain people everything all at once. And now I've got a huge backlog of stuff to keep up on and get caught up on. At least there's something there, though. That's yeah. good. I mean, I've got way too many gigs of <laughs> what did you say you had earlier how many memory cards even of just stuff you filmed 
I don't even know. Got a, a shoebox and a half full, I think. What? Of like <laughs> SD cards? There's some SD cards in there. Most of it's uh, mini DV tapes. Oh, I was like, what? Which of stuff really that you've been much. filming for this? No. Oh. no. This has been all like phone and a couple, maybe two SD cards for this project. Gotcha. Plus anything anyone else had. So there's and a lot on the computer. What's the goal for it? Aside from like a DVD. It's, it's really just about like the crew and friends. So we don't really have a team. Yeah. We have, I don't even know if Groundworks is a company or a crew. We might just be a crew that makes products, which is is a company. But like, is it yeah a company that has a team and a crew, or is it a crew that has products to offer? Right. At this point, where we don't have a lot of offerings, yeah. and I don't keep up on the soft goods, that's kind of where it's leaning. Is it? It's a crew. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we talked about earlier. If you're a company that doesn't have a team, then you don't have anyone promoting your stuff other than you. I love being the only person on the Instagram. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah. Not really. I'm like, I wish someone else put clips up. Oh. <laughs> only one way to make that happen. Go film them myself. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what's the saying if you want something done right? Gotta do it yourself. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to. Alright, we're good. What's up? I was trying to look at how much footage I actually have. Oh, can you put it back put up it... on a white screen? Your face oh. is blue. Okay. <laughs> mm. There, perfect. Better. Anyways. Put my uh, remote access on my desktop is not set up. I was right just now. using that on mine. If you're watching this and you ever need to access your computer when you're not home, it is possible. Google Remote Access. Team Viewer. I used Google Remote Access. Okay. But yeah. I didn't know Team Viewer was a team. Team Viewer is really good too. Google Remote Access is probably just as good. I love them both. It's so good because you can render a video. If I, I need to upload a video every single day. So I can render a video and upload it from my phone on my computer at home. Using my home computer's internet. Mm-hmm. Which is awesome. I use it for work a lot. Because I have a desktop computer at work, too. Yeah, so you just leave it on? Yep. That's sweet. And is it... So you can be on both computers at the same time, too. Right. So I can have like as many computers on remote access as I want. And I just thumb through them like they're tabs in a browser. Right, and it's not taxing your computer that way, either. No, it's just like a stream, essentially. Right, there's a company actually out there that is pretty much doing remote access for, like, gaming mm-hmm. on computers. So you pay a subscription, and you basically you're leasing a computer that you're using through your internet on your computer at home and playing, like, no-latency insane graphics games on your home computer that's like 10 years old and it's working just fine that's the only thing that kind of sucks sometimes with that is like editing a video the the refresh rate's not really that good you you edit video remote acts remotely yeah that's crazy i do i mean for work 
I'm an engineer, so that's yeah CAD work and everything. I can do that remote. I can do video editing remote. Wow, I can't imagine using any Photoshop stuff I need to do remote. Yes, yeah, so like like this laptop that I'm on yeah. has nothing on it. Right. Like it's got Word. <laughs> and you're just remoting in. That's awesome. Yeah, any work I do is technically on another computer. What do you actually do at work? I don't know if I've ever asked you this before. So I do primarily uh, systems for nuclear power plants. What does that mean? What's a system? Like remote valve actuation systems. So if you have okay. a valve that's in a non-safe or non-accessible space, mm-hmm. then it's a system that will operate the valve from a remote location. Okay. So you can stand, you know, 200 feet away or something like that. Yeah. Through a wall and turn the hand wheel there. No wonder you do so much remote access. Your job is remotely accessing things. That's pretty cool. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's that's my primary. I know you do a lot. Then anything else too with it. Mm Mm-hmm. So you going to like different power plants or what? I most of my travel has either been meetings Mm -hmm. or like visiting customers or suppliers not directly at the plants i've only been to a couple of plants okay Hmm. that sounds interesting Mm -hmm. but it's all good yeah (laughs) i don't necessarily getting into plants is a hassle i can imagine it's probably freaky too a nuclear power plant is that weird no i don't know i feel weird no it's not that sketchy actually Industry-wise, like, it's just got a stigma about it. That's all I was got the word that. nuclear in the name. <laughs> it's, yeah. So back to BMX. I don't think I've ever asked you about, like, how long you've been riding either, though. On a real BMX bike since about 1998. Wow. I was five. <laughs> That's cool. I was only about ten. I was only nine years old. If you get that, leave uh, a comment. <laughs> about ten. Yeah. <laughs> As if I didn't know when I was born. Yes, yeah. ten. So I got a sweet Schwinn Pro Stock Two aluminum frame racing bike. Ooh, I feel like a lot of people started on aluminum race bikes. You know, I know it's awesome. What's that? It was way too big for me. At had 10 the, years old. At 10 years old, it had like a 21 and a quarter or 21 and a half top tube. Wow. So is this, be, this is before, wait, 98? Mm-hmm. So. So I, st- I still have the bike and I will take it out to the track like occasionally. Yeah. So this is threaded headset time or mm-hmm. is this normal now? No, it's still, it was threadless headset, like. The inch and an eighth. Yeah. All good. But it was it was right at the, the transition point there. So. Right. So it's aluminum race fair, twenty one and a quarter. Probably weighs more than my bike with four bags on it right there. And all of that welded on mm-hmm. material. You need to do a bike check. 
or at I've least told myself that a bunch of times, and then I just don't do it. But you've got some crazy stuff on your bike. For anyone who doesn't know who we're talking to right now, this guy has welded on hub guards for his rear hub on both sides. That are they're welded onto the frame, and it's like a spike that sticks down and protects the hubs. And it works really well because his spokes have no marks, and neither do the hubs. It's awesome. Shout out to Derek Nelson. Yeah, what else doing is there? This. Um, you got welded on plates, like on the down tube. Do you have them on the chain stays too? Just my non-drive side. Okay. Drive side, the chain would just smash first right. anyway. Someone just asked, did you make your bike yourself? I think you answered that probably about the same time he's going to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it's... The base frame is a Fiend uh, Reynolds V2. Mm-hmm. But uh, Derek Nelson of Spooky Action Industrial Arts or HCS Skate Park, yeah. uh, they're both the same person. Otherwise known as a super creative, insane yeah. bike rider who's done things that no one else has ever done. So he runs a metal fab business called Spooky Action Industrial Arts, and he has historically always done these frame mods and anything else you could ever want. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's ran them on his bike. He runs those things on his forks, and he's been trying to get me to do it too. That would be crazy. And I just, I haven't committed to it. I kind of mm-hmm. like a flat front end there. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not that good that'd at pretty, uh, anyway. That'd be pretty intimidating. I keep looking over at his bike because it's mm-hmm. sitting right there. That would be intimidating looking at that. Like, I guess you really only see it when it's upside down where you look at it. Like, yeah. look for it. It's like the, the dropout, or the hub guards that are welded on there. You don't really pay attention to it unless you're looking for it no but they don't move like never had an issue with them they look awesome i've had i i think i've had them on every frame i've had for like the last 10 years yeah and your wheels look great always yeah that's also inside lacing oh inside four cross is he able to slide the axle in the hub guard or dropout, or is it like a mountain bike axle or motorbike axle where you insert it? I don't think I described it well enough because no. it it literally the wheel just slides on like a normal, mm-hmm. just like normal. It's there's a little bit of uh, messing with the chain because you got to pull it around the hub guard, but otherwise. I'm going to see if I can take a picture of it from here. There's no way you're going to be able to see this. No. But I'm going to try it. I have pictures on my personal Instagram account, but they're going to have to scroll through like stupid faces and my baby. Yeah, you can't see it. Okay, so I'll explain it again. So you have your normal dropout. This is your dropout. This is where your axle is sitting. This is the bottom. He's got a hub guard, which is a piece of metal that is welded on right there that comes to a point 
underneath of it. And that's how it works. Hopefully I explained that well enough. Or I could just... I don't think you did. I'm going to just send you a picture of him, Brent. I could just take two steps across the table here and take a picture real quick. Whoa. Why would I... Yeah, just use the flash. It's not what we need to do. There we go. Okay. Is it big like an old 90s dropout? You're going to see what it looks like right now. Right there. We can zoom in a little. Oh yeah, I didn't think about doing it that way. Boom. There it is. So that's like that on both sides of his frame on the dropouts. It's pretty cool. His hubs are beautiful. He's got inside lacing on the hubs as well. Is there anything that you'd change about it? Ever caught your ankle on that? Looks savage. I don't think you could catch your ankle on no. it. You'd like the only no, thing that's downward. Right. It and it points and in. It's so close to the spokes. Right. I feel like the only thing that could happen with that is like a freak accident with clothes getting stuck. It's somewhere. actually, it's contained within the tire. So like if your tire is here and you're grinding on this side of the tire, it's, it's actually on the inside. Yeah. And that's even on my, like normally I run 1.85 tires. Mm -hmm. And it's inside of those. Right. So like it would have to be a freak accident and some clothes would get in there. I don't think a body part, aside from your fingers, you can't land on top of that. Yeah. Like how you were landing on your hub guard earlier today. Yeah, not happening. You can't do it. Well, we have to well, look into that. You in probably could. I bet I could. <laughs> if you had a very specific setup, you could probably get caught on it. Yeah. Is there anything that you like have thought of that you haven't tried? Or would change about any of that? Not really. Anytime I do anything to it, like if I break something or something yeah. like that, it just goes on the list for the next frame. That mm -hmm. that's also getting upgraded. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I do these. I have these mods done before I'll ever ride a frame. Yeah, which is the only way to do it. Mm -hmm. Why would you want to do it to add? halfway radiant yeah. frame anyways well yeah because it's not cheap to do oh can imagine probably takes a lot of time mm -hmm. uh, you don't see people doing stuff like that period do people ever modify their frames to this extent like a lot mm -mm. that's my knowledge man and i mean if you wanted to produce a frame in that way you could do it a lot easier because you could investment cast your dropout. Which they already do. Right. So you just make that part of your mold, pour it in there, and it's done. And then they weld, you just weld the dropout on just like you would any other mm -hmm. frame. That's pretty awesome. And there's a lot of frames that are investment cast dropouts now. Yeah. Hmm. But the the thing that's noteworthy about that is it actually makes your frame right or left hand drive. What do you mean? Because the, the one side the non drive is braced vertically, 
Okay. And it's a lot cleaner. So that's the one you took a picture of. Oh, the other okay. side has an external gusset to help keep it rigid because you can't put a vertical brace there because there's a chain uh, that has to run through. I see what you're saying. So on the inside, there's a brace that you can't see from where we took the picture. Yeah. Gotcha. That's interesting. That's yeah, otherwise, I think it would bend right up. Right. And that would suck. You yeah, then you that. wouldn't have a wheel. Yeah, you wouldn't want that. You'd have some broken spokes pretty quickly. <laughs> you definitely put it to use today. Yeah. Should do a bike check on it one day. Sounds pretty interesting. You heard it here. You should do a bike there, check. There are pictures of it from when I first built it, like, in June. That's not a bike check video online that anyone could search for. Or you could do picture, like pictures and whatnot. No, I actually, I went out the one day to film a quick bike check for it. Yeah. And my buddy broke his finger when we were out. And I'm like, all right, cool. I guess we just have two clips to put online then. Yeah. Dang, that sucks. Cut the day short. Sometimes it's just not meant to be. Yep. So I'd like to like to do that, but I normally just don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, it takes a lot of effort to put in to do a bike check. And as like, I'm pretty comfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. But to produce a video of me talking, just for the sake of producing a video of me talking, it's hard. It's just, it's not my thing. Yeah. It's just one of those things that, like, you have something so unique that no one really has other than Derek, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like, you could help a lot of people out just by putting it out there. I mean, it'd probably be good for Derek, too, if there's even yeah. one other person that wants that. Yep. That's true. Ship your frame to him. Let it get welded up. Ship it back out. Yep. How does the powder coat and whatnot work after that? Does he do any of that stuff? Actually, as good as my frame looks right now, that is rattle can. Huh. Well, there you go. So I did that myself. The welding and everything is clean enough that you don't have to worry about powder coating or any of that. Or you can. Yeah, um, I mean, it always looks better. I know, like, John Quartz of FBM mm -hmm. is doing powder coating now. Okay. So... He's right up nearby, so working with the two of them, I'm sure you could get it powder coated. Right. Well, there you go. If you want it, it can happen. If so, you want, if you want a Road Fools 13 frame, square tube, extra, extra heavy. I'm sure I know a guy. Is that a thing? Does he make frames? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, that's on Road Fools 13. He had like. Everyone says 50. I know that it was heavier than that, pounds. It Jeez, was more like 60. -ish. I can't imagine doing anything on a bike that's literally and it was twice the square heavy. tube. The whole bike? Yeah. I have Road Fools 13 at home, but I've never watched it. I should probably watch it. You should probably watch it. That the homemade frame, no way, full right angle tubing. I remember that. This is Godzilla. He's from. Australia. Awesome. Yes. That's sweet. I need to watch that. Derek's the man. He needs 
to, I mean, he likes hiding in the shadows and yeah. not being the center of attention, but he needs a little bit of attention. Needs some love. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, if all that stuff's still there and he's working on the things he's working on, at least he's successful enough to not rely on that. Don't not mind. peeing, I swear. If you were peeing, that would be very, very impressive. Oh, I'm gonna drink some of this Gatorade. That Mountain Dew is gone. <clears throat> so what's in the future for bikes? Bikes. You just had a kid. How old is your kid? Ten Two months. Ten months old. Not even a year old. Not yet. even quite ten months. He'll be ten months tomorrow. Wow. Wait, like the twenty fourth tomorrow or the twenty fourth? Yeah. Okay. Te- technically, it's already tomorrow. Yeah. Uh. But, Which is why that we have to talk somewhat quietly. I feel like I should have mentioned that in the very beginning, but it's okay. Yeah, my baby is sleeping in two rooms over. Yeah, we don't want to wake the baby up again. 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 It might have been my fault, but it, we might. Yeah, it might not have been. Yeah, but anyways, so you got a baby. How, has that affected your riding? Seems like... Uh, yeah. I mean, I ride less. But... Yeah. It hasn't affected, like, the way I ride or anything yeah. like that. I mean, I haven't been on, like, a kick of going hard mm-hmm. for quite a while now. Then you seem like you know your limits and whatnot. Yeah, to I know what I like where, to do. Right, like, you know that something could go bad. 20 a G is in here. <laughs> <laughs> the dude who makes the, those videos. <laughs> What's up, dude? What's up, Alex? But I know you talked about a bunch of videos that you want to do and stuff, though, so. I've got a bunch of, like, I'm going to call them, like, sub-edits that yeah. I'd like to do. Because they're not really edits in the traditional sense. Yeah. And they're definitely not going to be vlogs. we got some funny ones. Not we. But he's I've... got some funny ones that we're not going to talk about. Because we don't want anybody to steal his ideas. Yeah. But they're good. And uh, this is motivation for you to make them happen. Yeah. Saying it out loud. I mean, we can talk about one because it happened, and it wasn't me. I just filmed what, it what's and that? edited it. What's that? Derek Nelson's uh, destruction edit when he was riding for Tree. Destruction? What do you mean? Uh, we I, decided... I know I watched it. So but... We were going to make an edit that was based not around tricks in and of themselves, but of something being broken or thrown or just not traditional riding Uh and we submitted it to tree yeah and they never posted it (laughs) so Uh we posted it Uh and still left all the branding in it and then it got shared all over the place it was one of the more popular edits but uh it it eventually did get posted by them is that the one where he grinds the, like, rock thing with the water? No. That was his Welcome to Tree edit, where okay. we filmed it all in the woods. Yeah. And it's laid out, like, one continuous journey mm-hmm. through the woods yeah, to this kind of a secret spot that we have up there. Yeah. 
And that one's kind of fun. Yeah, he grinds freaking like what is that? And then travels down the river. A rock ledge <laughs> or something. Yeah, maybe. It's just a rock. There is no prep work. With water. Like grinds okay, so he's grinding. And he jumps off and lands in water. It's awesome. He took off from the water too. <laughs> it's been so long since I watched that. It's so good. That. But what do you you have plans for videos, you're working on DVD, you're working on Grindworks, you've got a kid, you've got a full-time job. Mm-hmm. Sounds like you're pretty busy. I'm pretty busy. You also do James. I, have a, I also have a wife. Yeah. <laughs> you can't forget her. The child has a mother. <laughs> Who is also his wife. Yeah. So, you've got that part of things, too. Yeah. You sound busy. I stay pretty busy. But we're here, which is another thing, too. We're doing this right now. We are doing this. But we've been trying to coordinate this for probably six or more months. That's true. It kind of, all it took, all it kind of took to happen was, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Nothing? Okay, I'm coming yeah. out there. Yeah, I mean, the, the question is that I can't like make long-term plans at the moment. Mm-hmm. Far out. Right. But yeah, if you told me yesterday, like, I'm going to come out, I'm like, alright. Isn't that? It was like Thursday. I don't remember if it was Thursday. But whatever. Yeah. It happened. We're here. We had a good day of shredding. Start out at the skate park. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to <laughs> ride gonna street. We're going to have a, a, a real fun trip back Oh home. my god, right. I have a two and a half hour drive back home that I just realized about, and it's one eleven a.m. Okay. Yeah, I mean, there's still lots to talk about, but we should probably just have podcast episode two with me at some point. Let's talk about... If if the guests agree. I might be the most boring person you've had on. No, know. we're good. It's okay. They liked it. I, did, I decided for them. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm sure everyone's enjoying it, but we should talk about one more thing before we close it up. We're almost at two hours. What should we talk about? I'll let you pick the one thing. Anything on your mind? Nothing. Anything controversial that makes you mad that you could talk about for everyone here? <laughs> no, but I do want to remind everyone that I want these DMs of sponsor requests. And, like, realistically, the worse the clips, the better. You can make a video from that. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'll put his stuff in the description of the video so you guys can check it out. It's I'll type it in the chat right now. It's grindworks underscore BMX, right? Mm-hmm. In the chat, there it is. Um, I'm going to leave it on one more topic. Yeah, DM me the worst clip in your phone that you, you landed. That you landed, yes. Okay, so the stipulation is you have to land it. And he will send you one free box of nothing. Lots of emojis. Followed. I don't run pegs, so no sponsor edit from me. That's even better. Yeah, I don't need you to run pegs. Yeah. I, we have maybe potential plans to bring out another product at Ooh. some point. You, so you have something in the future coming. I have ideas. Idea. Okay. Well, how likely is it that you'll follow through? You want uh, to? I don't have my engineering computer mm-hmm. set up 
here right now. Yeah. I had it before we moved to this apartment. Yeah. And I've been lazy about it. Okay. So, um, for conflict of interest reasons and just good practice all around, I will not use my works CAD software for my design. So I have my own Integrity. license of it on my own engineering laptop. Yeah, that's cool. So I keep it all separate, mm -hmm. do my work that way, but I need to actually design the product so yeah. that I can get quotes on it and make sure it's feasible to produce locally. Okay, so I figured out how we can go out on this. Let's talk about what it actually takes from start to end to make a product like that happen. Let's talk about the pegs. Okay. Or anything else that you want to. Just not what yeah. perspective so we don't spoil anything or yeah. ruin plans. Well, and I don't have any... Like, I haven't decided which one I'm going to do first. Yeah, but you've got... There's you've got more than one idea. There's more than one idea. Make this stuff happen? Maybe multiple versions of the same idea. Baby needs to go to Disneyland, bro. Gotta blow this stuff up. I need to sell a few more pegs <laughs> so that I can invest in more parts. There you go. I'll... It'll happen. But uh, so, what's it take to make something happen for real? Because um, I don't think people know this. some of it to to run at the small capacity that I operate at. Yeah. Kind of requires knowing someone. Mm -hmm. that has a machine shop or, okay. or something along those lines Yeah. because to go in and order small quantities as a nobody and no history oh they're gonna charge you a lot more, more. Yeah. yes or make you so, wait a lot longer probably so I generally like I have good relationships with machine shops through my job yeah and I use those same shops to make our products so like I know them well enough to be like hey look at this is it's, it's more of a personal project than anything else mm -hmm. you know sure we're doing it for Grindworks but it's it's low quantities and it's specialized and they, they know what's going on so it's not a big deal yeah. but um it's it, it is knowing someone because I don't think I would get the same pricing that I get. Yeah, which could completely to go somewhere that I don't know these. That people. could completely eliminate you from the game before it even starts. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's I one mean, thing to think about. I mean, you could. I, I have received quotes to have the pegs made. Yeah, that they are more expensive individually for me to buy them than what I sell them at. Wow. So that's just one aspect of how hard it can be to start something or make a product. Well, it, yeah, you need to know the right people, and you need to also keep getting quotes, because I might have another shop that, you know, they'll quote you high if they're busy. Oh, yeah. So if they, if they don't need the work right now, and they don't want to deal with it, they'll quote you high. Just so you won't. If they're real slow, and they need to keep their workers working and their machines cutting yeah. they will bid it low yeah. make less on it so 
sometimes it's time of year when you order. Sometimes it's you know agreements. Right. The shop I work with now, we've got basically just an agreement that the, this is what it's going to cost to do these. Mm-hmm. Granted, I must order X amount every time. Right. But that's like so. That's skipping ahead a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and somebody said you'd be set if you could get a CNC machine in a man shed. <laughs> there won't be any man sheds in this bump jump paradise that is his parking lot. Yeah, this this apartment building is bump jump heaven. But uh, anyways, we bump s- step up, step down, yeah, wall ride. He literally his parking lot is a skate park. I never ride it. <laughs> it's too close. Conflict of interest. Yeah. But uh, we skipped that all the way to past, like, so you already... Well, had, yeah, we didn't talk about design. Yeah, at, all at that point, you'd already have ideas, designs, finalized designs, mm-hmm. because you, you're getting quotes to make products rather yeah. than just testing things. So what well, comes first? I mean, some of it is just knowing what you need to do, too. So there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of, like, you can either look at an existing product yeah. and copy it, not that that ever happens in BMX. <laughs> uh, Try <China. laughs> Or you take the idea of a product yeah. and you develop it basically from scratch to fit your needs. Which is what you did. You, you made something. Mm-hmm. You had a problem. Just like anyone else who started any business ever. Mm-hmm. There was a problem. You found the solution. For yourself, basically, yep. that you made readily available to everyone else. Mm-hmm. So that's step one. Find the problem, I guess. Yeah, I mean, that's been one of the biggest things for me personally with this. You know, we could make every product if we wanted to. Right. We could go have it sourced in Taiwan, the same as everyone else. Yep. But I don't want to. But why? I don't, well, I don't yeah. want to have that quantity yeah. investment. And... Like, if I ordered a thousand of something, mm-hmm. I know that I can move 50 to 100 relatively easily. Yeah. What am I going to do with the other 950? Yep. <laughs> and if you're coming from Taiwan, that means you're not ordered a thousand isn't going to fill a shipping container. So that means you're going to end up having to work with other companies to fill a shipping container. Um, and end up getting stuff over here. Small batch, you don't have to necessarily go that way. You can ship it like a pallet at a time. Oh, okay. And so, then like the so what happens is they go to a hub, yeah. and then that shipping container gets opened up. The pallets get pulled out and sent up on a truck, and then go gotcha elsewhere. So you don't necessarily have to fill a shipping container. Yeah, but you can save a lot of money if you're the only one in a shipping container, mm-hmm. and you fill it. Okay, so you've got a problem. So, yeah, I mean, we just don't want to do anything that's not, like, fixing something. Making yeah. a product for the sake of making a product. Happiness. It's not 2010 anymore, guys. <laughs> In BMX. Yeah. Well, and, you know, there's probably a lot of companies that are still doing that. Yeah. They're making stuff just to make stuff. Right. And it is because there's an oversaturated market. There's more companies producing products than riders can consume. Mm-hmm. So now you got to make everything. Yeah. Which sucks. <laughs> but 
yeah, so once you figured out what you want to fix, then it's kind of easy. Yeah. Make, make your product. Uh, I use SolidWorks to design. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you want to do any preliminary analysis, you can do it in there. Yeah. Make sure it's strong enough, rigid enough. How does that work? So, like, we'll just say, for example, you made a sprocket in SolidWorks. Mm-hmm. How does it test? Like, how does that work? Because BMX is BMX, and well, you know, there's a problem with doing that. Is that it's all theoretical, right? It's, most analysis is static, uh-huh. meaning nothing's moving. Right. There's no dynamic loading going mm-hmm. on, and like if you use that to design handlebars, for example. I'd rather talk about that than a sprocket because okay, it's a yeah. great example. Oh, yeah, handlebars take the um, obvious. You don't see it advertised as much, but remember a handful of years ago, you'd see like 13 butted bars. Yeah. Okay, that's taking the software analysis of putting two-point loads and an upload where the stem is. Okay. And then you say, ooh, this is the strongest spot. Let's put budding there. Let's bring that down to the strength of the weakest point. Oh, okay. So you can use it that way to bring everything into the same mm-hmm. factor of safety, is what it's called. Yeah. Is uh, load that it takes to break divided by the actual load that it'll see. Yeah. Um, when you do that, you make something that's unpredictable Mm -hmm. so instead of knowing that your handlebar is going to bend it down now everything is pretty much just as weak and you don't know if it's going to shear off at the butt where your handlebar is clamped into your stem or if it's going to break at the butting that's up by the weld for the crossbar yeah that's crazy so that's testing in the software but it's all theoretical it doesn't account for dynamic loading it doesn't account for landing a little bit heavy on your left side Mm -hmm. and now all of the loads went to that side yeah and instead of being directly down now they're actually like skewed so basically you found your problem you thought of your idea to solve the problem you design you design it you do your testing in the program, and then you have to make an example to test. You have to design your packaging too. Well, yeah, that would come after when you're ready to. Does that come kind of, when you're ready to put it out there? It's though? in tandem. Yeah, but like you need something to package before you mm-hmm. can think about packaging, right? You do it at the same time. Yeah. I mean, you basically, as soon as you have your design ready, and everyone that's involved in that is like, yeah, we're cool with it, Mm -hmm. then you send it off to your shop or shops, negotiate pricing, uh, decide, I mean, in the design, you're figuring this out, but you're talking about finishes, whether you want to heat treat it and leave it as raw heat treat scale, whether you want to have it sandblasted and then black oxided or powder coated or just painted. 
send it raw. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's a handful of ways you can handle that. So you gotta think about your finish. Mm-hmm. But before that, do you want to like make a sample to test for like before you make a product for yes. everyone to buy? It depends on the product. Right. Well, if you're making bars, you don't want to make bars that are going to break and then make right. 10,000 of them. But it's not a new idea either. Yeah. So I don't I don't know how many people or companies are or aren't formally doing a prototype mm-hmm. or if they're producing the first batch. Gotcha. Which the fact that nearly everything that comes out becomes V2 within two months that could tell something <laughs> is kind of telling it in and yeah. of itself interesting and then v3 two months later and you're like oh well, it's been v3 for a while that one must not have broken as bad mm-hmm. <laughs> that's stuff that you wouldn't think about because to set up and make tooling to make one part is very expensive yeah well it gets even more expensive too to make a I mean, if you make one mm-hmm. or if you make a thousand, I guess it's still so the same amount. A, a lot of companies will, like, 3D print out of plastic their yeah. their first piece just to make sure it looks good. Or instead of having it uh, forged, they might just CNC machine one. Mm-hmm. But what are you really testing? Because you're going to do that in the U.S., yeah. test your part, and then you're going to have it made in Taiwan anyway. So unless it's coming off the same production equipment, yeah, it's it's a prototype. For pegs, we never prototype them. We yeah. just went straight to production. Well, that's something too that you wouldn't have to. We already knew what they were. Yeah, and there's a lot more stuff that we haven't even talked about that goes into that too. Is like, if you can't design it, somebody else has to design it, mm-hmm. and then. Well, or the software. Yeah. Like, a seed of SolidWorks to do it legit, and if you're doing a company, you don't want to get caught up in using mm-hmm. fraudulent software, pirated software. Yeah. A seed of that's $5,000? Forever? Mm-hmm. Or is it a subscription? Uh, it's like 2500 more a year for the subscription. Wow. To keep updated on your license that's insanity so your license is good forever but you'll be have outdated software every year so i think i'm running on like 2009 that's that's insane so there's there's a lot more to this that we can cover (laughs) when it comes to well and think about from a startup if you don't already have it all to just start up from scratch, it's very expensive. Yeah. But you don't have to buy SolidWorks. You can use Google SketchUp. Yeah. Or you can take a napkin and hand draw your dimensions on it. I mean, you can do it at any degree of mm-hmm. like if you legitimacy. Know. As long as you know what you're doing, I mm-hmm. guess. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I don't need to use that. I just prefer to. Right. So, it could get way more complicated than we've even talked about just now. Yeah. I mean, it is more complicated, I guess. Not could. Yeah, it is. But 
it is and it isn't. It's simple, but it's there's just a lot of steps. Yep. And then for and then to leave it in the hands of well, everyone who rides. Just figuring out pricing too. So that you know, after you've had them made, you get your packaging all done. Yep. You gotta look at all your costs. Like when we did our first batches, we had to buy equipment. Yeah. Like a heat sealer to close our packaging. Mm-hmm. And all the packaging stuff. And we spent we bought all that stuff once. But we still needed to account for it to distribute over the first X amount of until it's pegs until it's paid off. Yeah, until it's a wash. Mm-hmm. And then you start making money off of that. So our our break even that way is what we decided we would sell to shops and uh you know, anyone like that for. Yeah. And then we figured out, alright, here's what we want to be at retail wise, which is twenty bucks a peg. Yep. The reality on that is I don't want to carry change on me at all times as long as it's pet five That's pegs. True. So twenty bucks even. There it is. Okay. It's one thirty in the morning. We've been talking for two hours and 16 minutes. Brant needs to drive home. Yeah. I have to drive two and a half hours, so we're going to wrap this up. People want to find you. Where can they find you at? Grindworks underscore BMX on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Just Grindworks BMX, no underscore or space on Facebook. www.grindworksbmx.com. Uh, I don't use YouTube. Okay. I have a Vimeo account, but... That's where you post all your games and stuff like that. So if you want to see But they're videos, all linked on the Grindworks website, so... So basically, and you can get to their Instagram, mm-hmm. everything. So basically, what's the website one more time? Grindworksbmx.com. There it is. He's Andrew Varson. I'm me. You already know me. This has been a fun time. And... We're going to end it. Yep, thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. Let's, let's be those guys with fist bump. Co- totally out of frame. Yeah, probably on both cameras. It was. Let's go here. All right, well, there we go. Boom. There it is. All right, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Good night.